Good morning, Cola Press. We are indeed in 1 Peter chapter 2 this morning. If you're new or visiting here, uh, my name is Devin Coleman. I'm one of the pastors here at Cola Press, and I have the privilege to uh, declare God's word to you this morning. Again, it's 1 Peter chapter 2, and we'll just be looking at the one verse, that's verse 10. But before we hear from God's word, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we do now, as always, thank you for your holy, inspired, and inerrant word. Lord, we ask now that you would send your spirit, that he would open, Lord, that he would open our eyes, that we might behold wondrous things out of your law, namely, the abundant, rich, and mighty mercies that we have received in your son, Jesus Christ. Would you do it and get all the praise and honor and glory for it, we ask in his name. Amen. First Peter chapter 2, verse 10. This is God's word. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Well, may God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. So as you guys know, we're coming to a close in our sermon series for this more campaign. And we're reminded that part of our prayer for our church body during this season has been that the Lord would grant to us, quote unquote, more mercy. And by that, we're praying specifically that the Lord would increase our involvement in and the resources that we can contribute to our church's various uh, mercy ministries that we're involved in. And that's good, and we are praying that the Lord would do just that. But for that to happen, or at least for that to happen in a way that is God-honoring and Christ-centered, gospel-centered, we as believers will need to first remind ourselves of the mercies that we have received in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it's only when we truly apprehend and take to ourselves and cherish the mercy of God to us in Jesus Christ, that we can then turn around and be those who freely and joyously extend mercy to others. And I guess to put it quite frank, it would be mercy begets mercy. That's what we're after here. The mercy that we have received and that we have known in Jesus Christ is then turned around and extended to others. And so this morning, I thought it would just be helpful for us to dwell briefly on this short text from 1 Peter. Now, to, to kind of situate you where we are in terms of, of the Bible and the text, we're in the New Testament, and we're specifically in a letter of Peter's. And Peter is writing this letter, the Apostle Peter is writing this letter to remind the scattered and the persecuted Christians in his day, many of whom would have been Gentiles, that is, non-Jews, he's reminding them of their new identity in Christ. And he does so for several reasons, to one, establish them in their faith, to encourage them to hold fast to Christ, and to exhort them to, to live a life of faithful obedience even in the midst of suffering for the sake of Christ. And specifically what happens here in this verse, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10, Peter is reminding the believers of this change in identity that they've experienced, this change in status, using this beautiful contrast that's drawing on language from the Old Testament. And so for us, the point is clear. As Gentiles... 
These new believers once were not recipients of God's mercy and thus were not included amongst his people. And yet now for them in God's kindness, they have received his bountiful mercy and have been included in the very people of God. To put it simply, Peter reminds them of who they used to be apart from God's mercy and who they are now by God's mercy. Who they used to be apart from God's mercy and who they are now by God's mercy. And if we are to be those who excel in deeds of mercy, we will need to be those who deeply understand these two truths as well. Believers in Christ, we should remember who we once were and who we are now by God's mercy alone. Who we were and who we are now by God's mercy alone. And we're just going to spend some time in this text this morning looking at those exact two points. And so I'd say first, Colaprez, members of the body of Christ, remember who you were. Now in order to emphasize the tremendous change in status to those whom he's writing, Peter reminds them first of who they were, or maybe it might be better to say he reminds them of who they were not, right? And, and who were they or who were they not? He tells them that they were those at one time who were not a people. Not God's people. And they were those who had not received mercy. And you think about this in this way, as Gentiles outside God's covenant, they were, for lack of better words, spiritually lost. They were lost. They could claim no affiliation with God. For they were not his people. They, they had no relationship with him for they had not received his mercy. And you look at some of the things that he says of them in, in the earlier chapter, in chapter 1, specifically in verse 14 and verse 18, he even says that they were sinfully ignorant, that they were ignorant of God's ways, and that they had inherited feudal ways from their forefathers. And this isn't a small thing. What Peter is saying here is, in effect, what Paul says, I think, in Ephesians chapter 2 that they were dead in their trespasses and sins, following the prince of the power of the air, which I'm assuming he means Satan in that, in that context. He says, by nature, you were children of wrath, separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So this isn't anything slight that Peter's saying here. This isn't something just to be glossed over. This was a terrible condition to not be included amongst the people of God. And so Peter, along with Paul, is saying to these Christians, it's, it's not just that in the past you were basically good and you knew the truth and you just needed God to come and give you a moral pick-me-up. It's not that you were just in need of some good guidance along the way or, some, help, or some, some helpful advice and you just need something to supplement what you already have which is good on your own. It's not just that you needed to, to quote unquote work on your relationship with God as if you, you kind of had the ability to, to establish one by yourself. Anyway, he says, no. Peter says, you were a godless, merciless people. Godless and without mercy. And my brothers and sisters, when you think about it, this, 
isn't only true for the believers in Peter's day. This is, this is true, or this was true at some point for each and every one of us who are genuine believers here today. Y'all, we once were lost. We were lost. Remember who you were, Peter says. At one time, you were not God's people. At one time, you had not received mercy. You were spiritually dead, blind, without hope, and without God in the world. And that's bad news, I know. And to be sure, I think it also looked differently, right, for, for all of us. For some of us, being lost looked like going off to college, believing yourself to be a Christian because you went to church, you said the right things, you did the right things, only to find out later in life that you, you never actually trusted in Christ alone for your salvation. You were trusting in your own good works. For some of us, it looked like living a life of total self-indulgence in sin, not caring anything about God or the things of God. We, our hearts were, were sold under sin. We were sold in our slavery under sin. For some of us, even if you don't remember a day, right, you're a covenant kid and you've grown up and you grew up in a covenant household and you don't know a day when you didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ, even you, you can tell by, by the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit that's against indwelling sin in you, you, are, you yourself are even very aware that by nature you are lost in Adam too. Lost, spiritually dead. And this morning, if you are not a believer in Christ, I will say it as, as, as gently but, but, as firm and, but as firmly and lovingly as possible. That is you, spiritually dead, lost, without hope and without God in the world. But y'all, Peter says this not to shame the Gentile believers, and he doesn't say this to, to heap upon them fresh guilt per se. Y'all, he does this to do, he, he does this to exalt the grace of God to them. He, he uses this contrast so that we might know what great mercies we have received from God now in Jesus Christ. He does it to invoke them to, to have such an overwhelming sense of gratitude and humility and thankfulness for the gospel change of identity that has happened, that has taken place in their lives. That's why he tells them these things. Which brings us to the second heading, remember who you are now. Peter says to those elect exiles to whom he's writing, he says that they are now God's people by God's mercy alone. He states in that same verse, he says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, Peter says, but now you have received mercy. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when we hear about the words mercy and grace in the Bible, we kind of have these categories where we, you know, we say, well, grace is what? what God gives to us when we don't deserve it, and, and mercy is what God doesn't give us what we do deserve. And I think those are, you know, are simple enough. But when Peter uses the term mercy here, I think it carries a stronger meaning. I think it carries a more nuanced understanding. It's almost like he's invoking upon some, some covenant language here, some covenant loyalty mercy, if you will. 
You may have noticed that Peter's alluding here to specific verses all throughout this passage that come from Hosea chapter 1 and chapter 2 and even Isaiah. And specifically, he seems to make an allusion to Hosea chapter 2 verse 23 in which the prophet Hosea under the old covenant he, he promises that God will one day once again shower his covenant people who are now apostate Israel with his covenant blessings and mercies. That he will once again show mercy on those who knew no mercy and that he would call those his people who were not his people. And many commentators actually note that the significance of this illusion is that Peter is taking language that applies to God's people under the old covenant of grace and in efforts to show the abundant mercy and grace that the church under the new covenant of grace has received, he applies it to them and he's suggesting here it's not that the church has replaced Israel for lack of better words or is a completely separate entity, but it's to highlight that this is a fulfillment of God's covenant promises that as Paul says in Romans chapter 11 verse 17 the Gentiles have now been grafted in to the one people of God who've always trusted in Christ albeit by way of type and shadow he's saying you've now been brought like you who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ you are now grafted into God's special chosen people that is that's you in Christ even us Gentile Christians, us non-Jews, we, we, we who have believed in his name, to, to use John's words from John chapter 1 verse 12 in his gospel, he says, for those of us who have received him, who believed in his name, we have received the right to become children of God. Y'all, we are, as God's people, we are, we are counted amongst the people of God. Think about that for a moment. I think sometimes we can just let something like that just kind of just brush past us. Think about what an incredible privilege it is for us to be taken to be God's people. We're talking about the creator of the heavens and the earth. We're talking about the true and living God. We're talking about Yahweh, the, the great I am who needs nothing from us. Who, who is perfectly and completely happy and blessed within himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he nevertheless delights now to call us his very own people. We are, to use Peter's words right above this verse, the chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. You think about that? You are God's own special possession. If you are a believer in Christ, that is true for you. And get this, it is due to absolutely nothing that you have done, but solely due to God's mercy alone. Solely due to God's mercy alone. Nothing that you have done, not even, not even your faith has merited you that. It is God's mercy alone. Calvin says, actually, commenting on this verse, he says, there's no other reason why the Lord counts us his people except that he having mercy on us graciously adopts us. There is no other reason why the Lord counts us his people, takes us to be his people, considers us to be his people, except that he having mercy on us graciously adopts us. And y'all, oh, what a mercy 
of God it is to be counted amongst the people of God. What a mercy that not just human beings, finite created human beings, but we as fallen, sinful, wicked human beings would be brought into the very family of God. What a mercy it is from God that from all eternity he would choose for himself, elect for himself a people out of this this fallen humanity, individuals to form for himself a people from every nation, from every tribe, from every language, and from every tongue, that he would elect them in Christ before the foundation of the world, that he would send his son in history, in time, to purchase their redemption by his work on the cross, that he would in his own good timing and in his own good pleasure apply that work to them by the supernatural power of his Holy Spirit, call them through the preaching of the gospel, change their hearts by the regenerating power of the Spirit, grant them faith and repentance that they might receive and rest upon him alone for salvation, justify them, adopt them as his own children, sanctify them and glorify them. What an incredible mercy of God that he would do these things, that he would lavish his grace and his mercy upon us in these ways. And if you are a believer in Christ, if you are a believer in Christ, know that you have received this great mercy. That this is who you are now. I know we talked about who we were, but this is who you are now. You're one who's been chosen from before the foundation of the world. You're you're one who's been born again by the power of God's spirit. You're one who's been justified, declared righteous. You're you're one who's being sanctified. You're, you're You're one who will one day be glorified. In short, you are. You're one of God's people. You are amongst God's people. It doesn't matter how you might feel doesn't matter what you may be going through, what particular circumstance you might find yourself in, what particular besetting sin you're struggling to to mortify. If you are a genuine believer in Jesus Christ, you are his. And by his mercy, he says to you exactly what he says to his people of old, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your very name. You are are mine. He says that to you. And if you're not a believer this morning and and you feel this separation between you and God and you know that you are not amongst his people and you know that you have not therefore received his mercy and you're struggling and you're wondering, how is it that I come to receive this mercy? What do I go to? What do I turn? Who, would I, who do I look to? Well, my friend, I would encourage you to look to Jesus Christ. Look to Jesus. Receive and rest on him alone for, for your salvation. For it, it's in Jesus Christ. It's in him that the mercies, the manifold mercies of God are on full display. Trust in him for, for God says, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In Christ there is mercy, so I would encourage you to run to him.
and believers. As we are those who know, who have tasted and who have seen and who have received such abundant mercy, how could we not then turn around and be amongst the most merciful people on this planet? Y'all, this is what this kind of mercy should should bring about in us by the power of the Spirit. I, I think here, I'm closing, I think of Jesus' words to the Pharisee in Luke 7. And he tells the story there of the 500 denarii debtor. Uh, and he's, he's telling this story to bring home a point to a Pharisee. And he ends with this phrase. And he says, he who's forgiven little, loves little. And I was thinking about that and I said, you could kind of say synonymously or relatedly here, he who has been shown little mercy shows little mercy. But of course, we are those who have received much mercy, great mercy, which means we should be those who show the most mercy even to people who don't deserve it. And this isn't, this isn't a debtor's ethic, right? It's not like we're doing this out of guilt or out of shame. We don't do it to try to pay God back or as if we had to show God how thankful we are. Rather, y'all, it's, it's the supernatural expression of mercy that, that flows from us knowing that we ourselves have drunk of the fountain of infinite mercies that is ours in Jesus Christ. By the grace of his Holy Spirit, we are those now who are moved to show mercy to those who deserve it least precisely because we recognize that we didn't didn't deserve the mercy that we received. We show it to the marginalized. We show it to the underprivileged. To bring it home, this is more so for us on on an individual and a personal level. Y'all, we show it to those even who have personally offended us. We show it even to those who might, we might categorize as our enemies. When we've been wronged, we still, we are moved by the power of God's spirit to show mercy because we understand and we recognize the incredible mercy of God that we have received. Y'all, we are to be amongst the most merciful people because we are amongst the people who have received the most mercy. And it's my prayer that as we move forward in this new season, as we think through how we can be more involved as a church in more mercy ministries and even individually in our own lives, showing more mercy to others, it's my prayer that God would make us all the more merciful, even the more merciful, even as our Heavenly Father is merciful. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for the incredible, rich, amazing, Lord, unfathomable mercies that you have shown us in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. God, we thank you that we who were once not your people, Lord, now by your grace, by your mercy, we are your people. And so, Lord, I ask that you would help us to truly apprehend the mercies that we have received in in you through Christ. And I pray, Lord, that it would work itself out in us in incredible acts and deeds of mercy towards others, even to those who don't deserve it. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. 
Amen.